Hi, my name is Ali Vignola, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Eskin. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to me and you're listening to me. 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 Snow the goal. 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 Oh, yes! We are back. It's a Monday at 610 ESPN. 5 p.m., that means one thing and one thing only. It's time for Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show. I'm Russ Joy. Follow me on Twitter, at Joy on Broad. Joined, as always, by Mr. Happy himself, back from the grave, at Ant San Philly on Twitter. And his name is Anthony Sandemonia. I'm sorry, Anthony San Filippo. Hi, Russ. Hey, pal. How are you? This is a, a totally different experience. It's great having you back. Thanks, bud. Glad to see. It's good to be here. I'm glad your color is returning. Yeah. You don't have the hospital mask on. It's been a good week. Good week for Anthony Sanfilippo. It's been okay. Thanks for bringing the positivity, Mr. Sanfilippo. It's been okay. Lennox on the other side of the glass, struggling with me. Well, I've been fi- I've been fighting with people on Twitter. This is listen. The way that that our friend Bob is a little bit too thin-skinned about the commenters. That I feel like that's you on Twitter. No, I'm not thin-skinned at all. You get so worked up. I know. I don't get worked up. I didn't even include you in a thread that I was in a, today about a guy who wanted to rip the C off of Claude Giroux's chest. Well, I he's, thought, he's an idiot. I thought about tagging is. you in it and just letting the hilarity unfold. I think I still might. Please do. But the, the Flyers, uh, a very interesting turn of events. I think last week, what do we have them going? 2-0-1? You got it right. What did I say? You got it right last I did? week. You no, did. I didn't. Did I really? I'm pretty sure you did. Well, how about that? Pretty sure you did. I, and I think uh, I think you had them actually blowing a game against either Detroit or New Jersey, and it was the New Jersey game that they that they lost. That they lost. Yep. Although I think you had it in overtime. I think you're right. But that that is correct. Still. Yeah. Close enough. Um. But yeah, I mean. The, the Jersey game, for as bad as it was, was completely forgotten because of how great the Washington win was. Yep. I mean, they went down to Washington and just dominated the, the Capitals. Dominated them. And as they've now played the Capitals three times this year, 2-0-1 against them, and the one loss, which was a shootout loss, they could have won. Yep. Uh, they, were, they, were a really, they played a really good game against Caps in that game. So I'll tell you, if they match up with Washington in the first round of the playoffs – that's a good matchup for the Flyers, which is weird to say. But it is, especially for how they this match team up well has, against has played against bottom feeding teams this season. And it feels like you you go and you watch them just get absolutely decimated by Jersey, right? That was the game that you came back for last Thursday, mm-hmm. fighting the pneumonia off. And it was like I think you and I had joked on the phone beforehand, like it would really suck if you showed up to Wells Fargo Center and they got blown out. And that's exactly what that's they exactly did. what they did. And it was almost to a point where it felt like the crowd was almost cheering for Jersey to score. It wasn't because the Flyers fans that were actually there had left, and it was just Devils fans left behind. It was just at some point the hilarity of the situation, the absurdity of the situation, was such that. It didn't feel like the Flyers were going to get anything going, and the fans were just like, you know what, bleep it. Like, if, if this is how it's going to go, you may as well just light the lamp as many times as you can. It, it was a weird a weird game for the Flyers. Um, but, my God, you're right. It, it was a couple days later. You just 
you let that game, you just kind of flush it away. There's a question that Matt Niskanen was asked about after the Jersey game was, you know, at this point, do you do you look at the film and try to learn from what happened, or do you just look at this almost like an anomaly and then just wipe it from your memory, delete the tape, and just move on to the next game? And every guy who was asked that just kind of said, like, yeah, there, there are things that we have to go back and dissect, but it really is, like, on to Washington. And the team rebounded. And it's funny, and I do want to get into this today, and if, if you're listening out there and, and you have a thought either way, we'd love to have you call in 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. There was a big difference in the lineup, and it, it wasn't that big, right? It wasn't that consequential of a, of a change. It's a bottom pair personnel change. But we went from seeing... Shane Goss despair make his return to the lineup against the Devils and the team getting blown out 5-0 and Robert Haig being reinserted into the lineup for his birthday on Saturday night and the Flyers looked, I would say, dominant for large stretches defensively and and the offense was flowing. Obviously, the offense really is in a Robert Haig uh, strong suit. But it's funny how Flyers Twitter kind of started to eat itself alive. And and we've watched over the course of the last, I would say, 10 to 10 to 12 months, we've watched Flyers Twitter begin to turn away from the blind support and the and the hope that Shane Gosses Bear returns to like the 2017 form. And people are kind of coming to grips with the fact that the the young dynamic player that so many people were excited about has not made an appearance for an extended stretch of time at any point in the last year and a half. He was he was a one-trick pony, Russ, and got his one trick figured out. And once that happened, there wasn't anywhere else for him to go. And, you know, he was never a fast skater. He was never a good, a really good, an elite skater. Everybody kind of always assumed that, okay? He's not a bad skater. I mean, I'm not going to say he's a bad skater, but he was not an elite guy. He's not a fast skater. He's shifty. That's what he does well, okay? He's a shifty skater. He can he can fake you one way and come back the other. He's got a lot of crossover basketball skills, right? I mean, that's that's the way Shane Goss's bear skates. So he's a guy who's not doesn't do well on the on the wall in board battles. Not the greatest. Uh, decision maker with the puck in his own end usually in order to get himself out of trouble will throw a puck to a teammate who is equally under stress and it may not be Goss's Bears turnover but he put his partner in a bad spot um, who's not a fast skater just an okay skater good okay to good skater who's shifty and was a guy who you know put up points in in bunches when he first came into the league, but he had a little bit of a, I mean, to be honest with you, he had a little bit of a horseshoe mm-hmm. uh, attached to him. I mean, a lot, some of that was luck, but we got caught up in it, right? Everybody got caught up in, in the fact that, oh my God, we got a homegrown defenseman who's going to put up all these points. But there were, there were flaws to his game. And once you took away what he does well, once teams figured out how to take away what he does well, he became average. But people were so caught up in, you know, the 65-point season, his rookie season when he was a Calder finalist, 
Like those things were what were on everybody's mind and not necessarily the reality of the fact that he's he's not that great. And he was the expectation level was so high that you know fans probably expected more more than he could provide out of him. Now, it doesn't help matters that he wasn't and, and these are his words that he wasn't a good teammate, right? That that, that probably confounds it. And I got to tell you what's going on in the last few days with Shane Gostas Bear. Really fans should not be happy about it. Cuz here's what happens. Let's 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 real let's let's be honest. Let's break this down, okay, Russ? So he comes back th- Thursday against the Devils. Now, there had been expectation he could have played as soon as uh the the um break was over, as soon as the bye week was over, which was the Friday game in Pittsburgh. Didn't play that one. And then Saturday game at home against Colorado. Also didn't play that one. Yep. Right. Also didn't play Monday in Detroit. But there was talk that at, at each of those games, he could have come back. But they gave him the extra time. They gave him the extra week, and he returns Thursday against the Devils. So it's, a, it's even like a little bit longer than the original expectation. Okay, fine. He comes out and plays against the Devils. And look, nobody was good against New Jersey. Right? There was not a player on the Flyers roster who had a good game against the Devils. 5 nothing shutout loss. But Gossip Bear was really... It, it was noticeably bad, okay? So, Vino's asked about him, all right? Before that, let me, go, let me take a step back. Brian Elliott gives up a breakaway goal, the fourth New Jersey goal, right before he gets pulled. Is Gosses Bear not being able to handle a pass at the, blue, at the offensive blue line, kind of flubs it, misses it, falls down, allows a breakaway, Wood comes down, scores on a breakaway, Miles Wood, and makes it 4 nothing. Vino pulls Elliott at that point. Yep. Elliott goes down the tunnel, absolutely shatters his stick, okay? Slams it against the wall or something and is just not happy because he was hung out to dry on that. And it yep. wasn't the only play. I mean, he was the defense. There, there, lo- there were a lot. There were a lot of, of defensive breakdowns. There were a lot of, especially when the Flyers were on the power play. Right, I mean, I think that the um, the Devils ended up with three breakaways or two on ones, shorthanded, uh, and got shots on on Elliott. One of them they scored, and the other two he made saves. But so they they really didn't look good. But that was the that was the you know the coup de gras for as far as Elliott's concerned. So now he's now he's not happy with with what happened. Of course, Gossip Bear is the reason for it. After the game, Vino's asked about it. And I, you know, he tried sugarcoats it a little bit. Said it was, you know, it was a tough game for Shane, but you know, he didn't have a lot of time to practice. You know, we only had two twenty-five minute practices. Really, didn't give him an opportunity to to get back. Okay, fine. But he was skating and practicing with the team prior to that game Thursday. So let's not make let's not, you know, I think Vino was just really kind of downplaying it a little bit there. So then the next day, Friday, the team has practice. And they come out for practice. Shane Gostas Bear is now the seventh defenseman again. He's he's you know not playing in the in the top three pair um, at practice. While practice is going on, a same thing. A pass back to him at the blue line. He misses it. 
kind of flubs it, gets really mad, takes his stick, and fires it across the ice, out of the rink, against the banner, against the far wall of, of Skate Zone. And then storms <coughs> off the ice in a huff. Okay? Not available to talk afterwards. Vino was not on the ice when this happened. He had already left the ice, so he didn't see it happen. Right? So there's no, you know, Vino can't really talk about what took place. Yep. Saturday, they go to Washington. He's healthy scratch. Robert Haig plays in his place. Haig has another nice game, right? Defense looks really good. Um, and, and you know, we you know, I write a story, not just me, but, I mean, a lot of people talked about how well Haig played. Haig even got the... He got the helmet. Got the helmet in the locker room. In fairness, afterwards. it was his birthday, which which was what was cited right. as part of him getting it. As but, part of it. But he had a, but he had a, good, anything. He had a good game, right? Yeah. So so Haig gets the helmet. Um, They don't practice on Sunday. Had the day off. Gave him, you know, Vino gives him gives him the day off. So their first time they're back on the ice again is this morning for the morning skate. No gossip spare for the morning skate. Asked about it, Vino said when he reported this this morning, he said his knee was a little stiff. Well, we're looking into it. We're looking into it. They how do how do they not know, right? What's going on? How are you not monitoring a player's injury? I could tell you with 100% certainty that the trainer, when you have an injured player or a player just coming off of an injury, will call that player 6.30 in the morning to see how he's feeling. You know? How's it going? How are you feeling today? Feel any better? What are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. So that they know. They have a plan, a game plan for the day. Jim McCrossin is that meticulous, okay? Has been, that's why he's been the trainer here for as long as he has, because he is that way. He will call guys. All right, He may call guys who are not hurt or that we don't know are hurt, maybe just kind of a nagging injury. Yep. He'll call those guys too and check on them. All right? So how does a guy show up and no one and no one in the organization knows that he's got an in, that, you know, maybe a relapse of the injury? I'm going to tell you you know, with the trade deadline fast approaching and with Shane Gostisbehere's name being thrown out there, we saw it on TSN, we saw it on Sportsnet.ca, ESPN ran a, tra- you know, th- trades involving all 30 teams and had Gostisbehere going to Vegas. Yep. Um, granted, I, I don't think that that's much of an informed piece. I think that's more of a speculative piece. But nevertheless, his name is out there. Like people are talking about this. And it's nothing new. We brought we were the first people to bring it up a year ago that his name was being circulated around. And here it is, you know, 16 months later. And oh, but wait, Anthony, remember, 16 months ago we had an agenda. Yeah, well, we we, al- we always had an I, agenda. You and I had a personal vendetta we, uh, against Russ, Shane Gossespierre. Yes, we always have an agenda. We, Come on. We uh we clearly didn't like the guy. He didn't give us a quote. That must have been that it. That must be it, right? Well, he didn't want to be on the podcast. That must have been absolutely. it. Absolutely. We've ne- as a matter of fact, we've never requested Shane Goss. We haven't. Just, Maybe just to, we should. Just to point we that haven't. out, we have not requested him. Um, and he would actually be a good soundbite, too. I mean. He could be. Well, I mean, if. Could be. Could be. Depends. The guy, the guy talks. Yeah. And sometimes that that goes over well with his teammates, and sometimes it doesn't. I, what if I suggest to you? And again, this is me. This is me speculating. No one telling me anything. What if I suggest to you that this all the, the antics at practice last week, 
And, you know, now now all of a sudden the knee's bothering him again. With the trade deadline as coming up within two weeks, maybe he's trying to prevent himself from getting moved. Let me take it next level. I think it might be the opposite. I think that there is a a decent enough chance that after watching him get embarrassed in his first game back, there's a little bit of hurt pride. But I think at this point, it's it's become about as clear as it can be that the Shane Goss Despair rehabilitation project ain't going to happen here. We talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it in the preseason that at some point, a change of scenery is a legitimate thing. And that even if he sort of fit into Elaine Vino's system, it stood to reason that you're still going to have enough bad memories. You're still going to have enough of those, those question marks, those ifs, those thoughts in your head as you go to take the home ice that maybe maybe that ends up getting in your head and it doesn't let you let you play carefree the way that you did a couple of years ago. Maybe the doubters, maybe the way that that people have seemingly kind of turned against a guy that they had rooted for for so long, maybe those things start to to take a little bit more of that mental space than they should. And maybe he's better off going somewhere else. If if I'm Chuck Fletcher, at this point I don't really think there's all that much he can do to rehab his value in the amount of time that that it would take until the trade deadline. I still think there's value there, Russ. I'm not saying there's not. I'm saying I think that we've seen enough of a sample size this season with Vino's system. And and you know, let's let's be honest, if if it is a knee stiffness thing, if it is a soreness thing, um if I'm Chuck Fletcher, there there's part of me that thinks I still might be able to sell somebody on the ceiling. Because there's not five more games, six more games of the kind of effort we saw on Thursday. Maybe we hold him out of the lineup. Maybe we work in tandem with him on this in an effort to try to sell somebody on his ceiling and not to have any kind of recent film that shows that he's not that same guy. Now, obviously, there, there's that evaluation process that goes on in, in every front office across the league. Scouts have been in. There were a few teams that you and I noticed had sent multiple scouts for, I think it was five straight games from out west. Um, there have been a couple other teams that have, have sent some high-profile scouts to games there's recently. A, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of them there tonight. And so... Just for the for, just for your knowledge, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. But there's only I think there's only two games in the NHL tonight, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, here's the list of scouts at the game tonight. Calgary, Chicago... Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, New Jersey, Ottawa, Vancouver, Vegas, Winnipeg, Detroit. All have scouts at Flyers, Florida tonight. Now, there are six games tonight. There are four in the Eastern Conference. Okay. I think, that, uh, so that okay. also includes uh, Arizona's at Montreal. The Islanders are playing uh, in Washington, and Tampa Bay is in Columbus. But still, that's a, a pretty lengthy list of of teams that have scouts. And like I was just saying, there was, there All right, was but there's no there's no game there's no games in New York, New Jersey, Washington, right? Yep. Okay. No, so Washington. There is there in is, Washington. Yeah. So yeah. that's the only other one. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like usually, scouts here in the East will play will will bounce you know because they can do it via Amtrak pretty quickly mm-hmm. will bounce between Washington Philly Jersey and the two New Yorks yep to see a lot of games so those five cities that's the 
that's kind of where the East Coast scouts kind of rotate through. So there's only two happening in, in those cities tonight, yep. he, uh, here and Washington. And you got 11 scouts in Philly tonight. That's a lot. It's pretty wild. Yep. So we want to know because I, you know, I think we we should dive into this situation a little bit more, especially the merits of the the on ice difference between what you get out of a ghost and what you get out of a Hague. And so I know that you know, Twitter was absolutely ablaze with this between games, and and I happened to put out a tweet a few days ago. Uh, it was after Hague was given the helmet, and I said, "Wait a second, you mean to tell me that that the guys like Robert Haig? They they actually like him." And that set a few people off that, that got really upset, I guess. I think it's just that they've been holding these ghost fanboy kind of yearnings for him to return to form. And now that it's not happening, they're getting really upset. And so they're just like looking to lash out anytime somebody points out that Haig is a guy that's liked in the locker room or Haig makes a decent play. I saw a tweet over the weekend. It was a, uh, a video of, of Haig at the end of... Um, of his time on the ice, he dumped the puck in. Was there a possibility that he could have forced it and let a four-on-three? Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have, but you don't want Robert Hagen in that situation as the main play driver entering the offensive zone. And it's not like he's going to bring a ton of value in an odd man rush like that. He dumps the puck in, and I see yet another one of these people that really hate Robert Hague because they think that he's like Andrew McDonald light, and they want to see the ghost bear in. And so, like, they try to attack this guy, and it's like, look, we we need to get over this now. Like, some of the most ardent defenders of Shane Goss' despair have bailed. If you're still on that ship and, and you want to go down with it, by all means, feel free. And I want to make something also uh, perfectly clear to the people who think that you and I have an agenda against this guy. There would be nothing that would make me happier than Shane Goss' despair going back to being a 60-plus point contributor as a defenseman. It would be great! It would be awesome. Mm -hmm. As a fan, when he came into the league, I loved watching Shane Gossespierre play the game of hockey. When Shane Gossespierre had the season that so many ardent supporters like to go back to, I loved it. We all should have. Any Flyers fan should have loved to watch it. But that guy's gone. At least in the context of him finding that success here, it ain't happening. And I saw this is another thing. See, you're the one who likes to get involved with people on Twitter. I'm the one who just likes to to read and kind of curse in my head and, and just let it go. But I'm looking at it and I see somebody today say, Wow, the, the Flyers have really bleeped up the situation with Shane Gossespierre. They've really burned that bridge. Like it's the Flyers' fault that this is gone to what is eventually going to be an unceremonious end to this relationship some way, somehow. Whether it's uh, it's probably going to be a trade at some point, either at this deadline, maybe in the offseason. But when you go through the amount of coaches that this guy's gone through, most notably in, in the, the last three, he's got Elaine Vigneault who's gone to two Stanley Cups with, with, with two different teams. You had Scott Gordon, who was a, a really solid developmental guy, who, by the way, replaced... Well, Gord Murphy was was axed along with the, the Ron Hextall regime. Rick Wilson came in, rehabilitated Travis Sanheim. We saw a bit of a turnaround in Phil Myers. We saw Radko Gudis step up to the next level. We saw practically every defenseman except for Shane Gossespierre return to some kind of form or go to a next level or stabilize, but Shane Gossespierre was the only guy who didn't. Dave Hextall, not a great coach, admittedly. But under him, under his tutelage, under Gord Murphy, some of these young defensemen, they they did develop. 
you go through those coaches, you go through those position coaches, and if if the thing that you keep coming back to is this guy just doesn't seem to get it, and Gossespierre even early in the season said that he needed to be a better teammate. Well, where the hell do you think it's coming from? Did he all of a sudden have a come-to-Jesus moment where he's like, oh, man, you know what? Maybe it is me. No! Of course he didn't come up with that. The new coaching staff probably said to him, yo, dude, you're being a... Hmm. Right? Right. Maybe somebody from, from this leadership group, when you see the locker room turn around with a Kevin Hayes, who, by the way, at some point we'll have to have on the show, you see this leadership group, maybe Kevin Hayes was a guy who said, yo, dude, the hell's the problem? It's a good locker room. Maybe it's not just you on the ice. Maybe there's a little something going on off the ice and you need to address it. Guys don't tend to do this like look on the inside and change and go out into the public and say, I need to be a better teammate. No, to me, that was like the end of the line. That was like Elaine Vigneault and this leadership group saying, everybody's on board. You got to buy in. And if you're not part of it, if you're not with us, you're against us. Or at least you're just kind of here on the periphery. And it's frustrating because, again, I would like to see this guy succeed. And look, if they trade him off, if Chuck Fletcher sells him for pennies on the dollar, he goes out west. Let's say Edmonton, for some reason, goes after him. Let's say they make a deal with Toronto. Let's say he goes out to Arizona, wherever he goes. And if he next year somehow returns to form, puts up 50 points, and all these people go nuts, ha, 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 see, we told you. We told you Shane Gossespair could do it. All the underlying numbers said that he was going to get it together. He just wasn't lucky putting the puck on the net. Guess what? That doesn't mean that it was going to work here. If it was going to work here, you would think that by this point in the season, it would have worked by it now. It would have happened, and it hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, what's he in his? He's in his sixth season now. Fifth, yeah, fifth season, sixth season, whatever. And this is this he's is, had two good seasons, and the rest have not been good. And before I I like go into like a full freak out here. I just want to point out that for the people who are like mocking the concept that Robert Haig is liked, well, they also liked Andrew McDonald and you saw how he played. Guess what? Not every bad or tertiary player or ancillary player to supporting your team's effort is going to be hated. Not all of them are going to be loved. Guess what? Star players, guys who consider themselves star players, despite what reality and, and the stats tell you, some of those guys are loved and some of them are not. I, I, I don't know. I find this whole thing just so frustrating because we sat here over a year ago saying there's only one resolution and we're still sitting here talking about what, does, what needs to be done to get this guy to turn it around. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've compared him to Mike Green for years now. For years, I've compared him to Mike Green, I, and I still say that that's he's kind of just a slightly smaller, shiftier version of Mike Green. That's that's basically all he is. Um, you know, does that does that mean he can't play in the NHL? No, he's certainly an NHL caliber player. Yeah, but he's just not what you want him to be. And if he's not going to be what you want him to be, then it's better suited that you send him somewhere else so that he can be what he is. And which is NHL caliber, NHL quality, but not here because he doesn't fit what they're looking for right now in their top six defensemen. 
and he's not a guy who is comfortable being a number seven. He's not a guy that the organization is comfortable having as a number seven because he makes $4.5 million a year. Which at the time didn't look like that bad of a deal. It's not a bad, it's still not a bad deal. No, but I'm saying based on what he was at the point that he got the extension, it looked like a really solid deal for the team. I don't remember anybody complaining at the time. But then it kind of went sideways and it went sideways fast and it hasn't rebounded. And so I guess, like, here's another level. So another thing that I saw was people complaining that Robert Haig, you know, he, he makes just under $1.2 million this year. He's going to be an RFA at the end of the year. And so I saw people saying, well, okay, what's a, what's a likely deal that he gets as an RFA? Maybe it's like $2.5 million. Mm-hmm. And people complaining, man, can you imagine paying $2.5 million for a bottom pair defenseman? Wake up! Shane Gostas Bear right now is a bottom pair defenseman making $4.5 million. Exactly. Justin Braun's making that kind of money. He's a bottom pair defenseman. Haig is a a discount at $2 million for a bottom pair. He is. And he's a solid guy in his own zone. And I know that that doesn't get people super excited. I know that it... It's it's because, again, here we go with this, Russ. uh, And this is part of what I fight with people about. His metrics tell you that he's not a good player okay because if you look at his analytics if you look at the Corsi if you look at his expected goals it tells you that he's he's not good compared to some other defensemen in the league but if you just look at those numbers that's all that's all you're going to see yeah and what I tell you and what I've been saying for years and what has been what has been, uh, you know, ingrained in me by NHL coaches, NHL scouts, NHL management folk, okay, is that you can only look at it part of the way that way. Yes. And the other half you have to look at and say, look, 50% of the time, okay, Somewhere between 45 and 55, but we'll just say 50% of the time, but somewhere between 45 and 55% of the time, you have to play defense without the puck. As such, it's good to have players who can excel in that capacity, which is what Robert Haig does really well. He blocks shots. He's physical. He's reliable in his own end, Okay. Yes, he has weaknesses. He doesn't make a great first pass. Does he, he doesn't, go, does he sometimes go for the hit and end up getting himself caught out? Yes. Yes. He has a, well, I'm not sitting here trying to turn him into you know a, an all-star defenseman. He's not. He has weaknesses. But as the team goes and what the team um, you know what the team needs right now is it needs a guy who can play 17 minutes a night, mostly in his own end. Mostly reliable. Don't turn over the puck. Don't give up goals. Keep skate. Keep the other team to the outside. That's what they need you to do. That's part of the team defensive strategy. Okay? And that's what Robert Haig is doing well. That's what Robert Haig is doing very well. And, I, you know, I did a story about this after the game Saturday night. Right? I, I kind of touched on this, you know, it ran Sunday morning. Okay? So if you if you go back to the story 
which I'm going to pull up right now on CrossingBroad.com. Um, a well-written story, well, by the way. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that, Russ. That's uh, what I'm here for. <laughs> um, Robert Haig, in the last 35 Flyers games, has played 24 of them. Okay? All right? In those 24 games, okay, he's only been a minus player once. Now, I know plus minus is not a great stat, and I'll tell, I'll say why it's not a great stat. Because it, it, all it really does is measure if you are on the ice when a goal is scored for, uh, for your team at 5-on-5 five five, or if you score a goal shorthanded yep. or a goal against at 5-on-5 five five, or while you're on the power play. Okay, that's all that that plus minus tells you. Okay, so there's really not a lot of of deep. It's not a nuance statistical stat. information behind it. So, indiv- you know, looking at individual game plus minuses it, it is is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to do that. Yep. That said, if you have a really high plus minus over over a lengthier stretch of games, or a really bad plus minus over a lengthier stretch of games. It's very likely that it's not going to be as a result of bad luck or good luck, okay? Because, yeah, you might be on the ice for a goal where you just came on, came over the boards and you're skating into the zone, the other team scores, and you get a minus. You weren't involved in the play at all, and you got a minus. Or vice versa, you just came on and one of your teammates scored, and you get a plus. Yeah, certainly that can happen. But th- there's going to be that's going to even out a little bit. So taking the total number over the course of a season is a, a much more – uh, relatable and fair statistic okay so when you look at it he has first of all he hasn't been a minus player in any game since December 11th in Colorado okay so at 17 he's played in 17 consecutive games where he has not been a minus he's a plus 13 in 17 games that's a pretty noticeable number because now not only are is the team scoring when he's on the ice 13 more goals but there are other teams not scoring when he's on the ice. So that's noticeable, okay? And he's only been a minus player in four of the 35 games he's played this season, okay? And three of those four came in consecutive games in October. So since October, only one game where he's been a minus player, and it was December 11th in Colorado. Every other game, he's either been even or plus. That's... To me, that you could look at. You want to sit there and say, "Well, his Corsi is not great," or you know, if his it's play driving numbers. Yeah, his bad. play driving numbers are bad. Or he's he's when it says that he's when he's blocking a lot of shots, that means that he's not carrying the puck. I get it. You're right, but that's also part of hockey. Doing the things that he does well is part of the game, and so therefore, what Robert Haig is doing is a positive. Within this system that Elaine Vigneault is coaching, it is a positive. And there's no doubt when you look at this lineup in the last, um, I guess, seven of the last eight games or whatever, six out of seven, that it's been this pairing of six defensemen that are going to play tonight. This group has been the Flyers' best defensive group to get together all season. They held the, the Penguins. Excuse me. The Penguins to 19 shots on goal um, in the game right before the All-Star break here in Philly, and then went to Pittsburgh a week and a half later and held them to 20 shots. They limited, and Washington had 26 shots. Okay, fine. It's a little bit more, 
but not many very good chances for the for the Capitals, right? And their goals, the second goal was irrelevant. It was, a, it was the Flyers that already had a blowout at that point, so the second Capital goal didn't really matter. Yep. So they really stuck. They shut Ovechkin out completely in the game. Like he didn't do anything. And this is a guy chasing a milestone at this point, you know, and he's been been on fire. Couldn't do anything against them. So they played Tampa a few weeks ago to a one nothing game, and Tampa's been the hottest team in hockey for three months. They beat St. Louis in St. Louis. They've beaten Boston twice. I mean, this defensive system is working, is working. And Robert Haig is a part of it, and a, and a better part of it than Shane Gossespierre at the moment. That's not to say Robert Haig is a better player than Shane Gossespierre. It's just saying he's a better fit for what, the, they're, doing. For what they're doing than Shane Gossespierre. So that's all. that's all we're saying. And so when you really break it down and look at it, if you have the ability to kind of go past just looking at data and watch the game and how it's played and, and kind of figure out what the team is doing and how it, how it all fits together as a puzzle, you will see that this makes so much more sense to have him in the lineup. And I guess the thing to come back to, because you know it's, it's easy to look at Anthony – as a as a guy who's covered the team what 20 21 years 21 years used to work for the team and isn't 20 years old it's easy to say like all right this guy just has a grudge because he doesn't understand the math right <laughs> cuz i've seen some people, some people like to that. insinuate that this is yep. just like old man yelling at clouds yep between other reporters other people in the media between assistant GMs currently, former front office members, scouts. If we put all that information together, that's either come through you or, oddly enough, some of it has come to me. I can't stress enough for the people who have tried to get into hockey or or look at some of the way that like you look at micro-analytics stats, and it's like, all right, you, you like to go into things with a lot of data – because having data is better than having none. And I agree with that conceptually. I think it's easy to get caught up in it and to lose yourself in the numbers and and not trust yourself anymore with what you're watching on the ice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not and, just in and, hockey. And hearing, uh, yeah. That's it, everywhere. Yeah. And I guess hearing from enough people that are legitimate decision makers in the sport, not just when they're on the show with us, like, we had Bob Clark on or when we had Ron Hextall on or Paul Holmgren and and you know I would ask them the question about analytics and it would get like kind of the the pass the played off answer and then like sometimes those guys or or people in those similar positions will give you a slightly different answer away from the mic away from being on the record the thing that's come up consistently is it's a tool you take the entire thing as a portion of a pie as you're evaluating a player and you're evaluating a team but it's not the be all end all it cannot be I think too many times people are getting themselves caught up. You're doing real deep dives to try to understand the numbers and to make it seem like you're taking a more holistic view, which is great. But if that's all you're doing to evaluate, you're not even doing what the people who make a ton of money to evaluate the sport are doing. And so it's, I think sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating. Anyway, what, I, what doesn't get me frustrated are our friends over at Odd Logic Brewing Company. They're located out at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Odd Logic Brewing Company, if, if you're looking for me, to be honest, it's, it's the only place to go 
to watch a game. It's the only place to go to watch the Flyers. It's the only place to go. You want to go watch some XFL games? Like I think we're going to be talking about over on Crossing Broadcasts from 6 to 7. Kevin's in here. He's excited for it. It's the only place to go to watch a Sixers game. Listen, here's the thing about Odd Logic Brewing Company. I, I love the variety. And I know that it's not great for me to admit this because they're a sponsor, but I'm not I'm not the biggest beer guy. I, I, I like the variety because sometimes when you go into a craft brewery, all you get are like double IPAs. And Kevin will tell you at some point. Like going to a place that only has double IPAs, it's a little bit a little bit underwhelming. But that's what sets Odd Logic Brewing Company apart. They've got a massive variety at all times. They've got a beer for your taste. It's an excellent variety outside. They've always got a food truck out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Always diversifying your palate portfolio, if you will. So go give them a look. 500 Bristol Pike, Odd Logic Brewing Company. And by the way, when you go out, make sure you let them know that you heard about them on Snow the Goalie or Crossing Broadcast or Crossing Broad or the Press Row Show. Because it's always helpful. You know, we like to make that connection. We've watched as their social media following on Facebook has nearly doubled since they began advertising with us. So sometimes it's good to, you know, go out and let them know where you heard about them. And uh, make sure you get out there this weekend. They've also got some cool events coming up. They've got Parks and Rec trivia coming up this Thursday. Next week, they've got Detox Retox Yoga going on out there. And then uh, I don't know what this is. I guess, I guess we could find out what it is. But on February 20th, they've got the very popular Kinky Quizzo coming back to Odd Logic Brewing Company. I thought that we get a reaction from Anthony. It didn't. But check them out. Odd Logic Brewing Company. Follow them over on Facebook. And again, when you go in, let them know that you heard about them on Snow the Goalie. Kinky Quizzo? Kinky Quizzo. It's like Kevin Kincaid. Kinky. Kinker? Kinker? Kinker Quizzo? Ryan, you going for Kinky Quizzo? No, but I might be going for some stuffed buns. <laughs> I have to look at. I wonder if they're out there this week. Anyway, I'd like to Brewing Company, 500 Bristol Pike. Get out there. Let me know where you heard about them. All right, Anthony. Let's get back into things, because I guess before before we do anything, we should probably also talk about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah. Because, because after all, DraftKings Sportsbook really is the only place <laughs> to place your bets. It's a safe place to place your bets. DraftKings Sportsbook has the number one rated app of all of the sportsbooks that you can get. And look, there are a lot. We make no qualms about the fact that there are a ton of sportsbooks out there. But none of them will take care of you the same way that you will find at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings has promo code CROSSINGBROAD that allows you to get in on some excellent promos they're running this month. And let's get into what some of those are. With so much going on, you're going to want to take advantage of any of the daily promos that they've got running whenever, wherever with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They're based here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know that everything's going to be safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another great book, DraftKings Sportsbook, and take advantage of their great sign-up offer. They're actually running, and it, it seems kind of bonkers. It seems a little bit insane if you're asking me. But they've got a $1,000 sign-up bonus that they're rocking right now over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And it's something that you really should take advantage of. DraftKings Sportsbook. Anthony, I think you usually have your bets ready to go. I do. I have bets. So go ahead. Hit hit the people with the I always have bets ready to go. Um, Although I didn't do them last week because I was was ill. Um, So I didn't do the – because you guys – I think you did the the read without me last week. So – 
my record still is 500, 13 and 13, which is not great. I'm not too happy with that. I'm on a four-game losing streak. Uh, but I'll give you a couple plays. Um, tonight, <coughs> I will take uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning going into Columbus, where it's a very difficult place to play these days. Blue Jackets have been maybe the surprise team of the NHL. Right now, they have the sixth best record in hockey, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But I'll take the Lightning going into Columbus and winning the game outright uh, against the against the Blue Jackets. So you probably get the Lightning at a good at a good price. Uh, I'll take that. And then for those of who are going to tune in on the podcast um, version of the show, and won't be able to hear it until tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's play. Uh, will also be a road team. Uh, I will take the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night in Anaheim against the dreadful Mighty Ducks, uh, who are probably going to be trading uh, some of their top, you know, our big name players um, to kind of get ready to, you know, get further down in the standings, have a shot at the number one overall pick. Um, and the Blues obviously are are one of the Stanley Cup favorites. Um, I think it's an easy easy win tomorrow night for St. Louis on the road. I'll take the Blues. So, again, Tampa Bay in Columbus tonight, St. Louis in Anaheim on Tuesday. So, remember, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. And for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Whew. It's insane. It's a great deal. Use promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up for that $1,000 bonus. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So tonight, Russ, Carter Hart makes his return to the lineup. Just like I always said he should. Only playing... At home. Well, uh, I I wanted to mention that. So there was there was a chance that he could have played in Washington on Saturday, but I think they wanted to wait. Didn't want to throw him into the wolves. Throw him to the wolves first game back. Not that Florida is a pushover. The Panthers are a good team. And Panthers are as good as the Flyers. I mean, they're in that same battle for the you know final playoff spot. Um, so this is a, this is a tough opponent, but you know. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious as to the decision here. This is one thing I, I'm starting to worry a little bit about. So you got Carter Hart playing tonight against Florida, which means Elliott's going to play tomorrow in New York against the Islanders on the road, which is fine. But we're going to get to a point now, and I know that Carter Hart was hurt for a little bit of time, and that's fine. He hasn't won a road game since November 10th. It's fine. Nothing to see here. <laughs> At some point, he's. You've got to get him a win on the road. And here's your because problem. it's Because it's going to become, Russ, it's going to become an issue. Now, he's going to play on the road probably later this week. They play in Florida on Thursday and in Tampa on Saturday. So he he's ain't going playing to, Saturday. Probably not. He's not playing that Tampa game. You're probably going to see Carter Hart not only tonight against the Panthers, I would assume Thursday that Thursday against, game against Florida. In Florida. Right. Probably. Unless he gets shellacked tonight. And then maybe you think about switching it up. Yeah. But... but but there is practically no chance they play him against Tampa Bay. I, I don't think. Because then that also sets him up for, and it's not like he needs that many days off, but then that sets him up to play at home against the Blue Jackets. You probably flip-flop him and Brian Elliott, where Elliott's going to play in Columbus that next game. 
You're back to Carter Hart on, on the following Saturday against the Jets. Maybe you play him another game. Heck, a few days later, he's got San Jose at home. This comes back to that goofy, stupid idea yeah. that I, I brought up, what was it, a, a month ago, that maybe you only have Carter Hart play at home and you play Brian Elliott, who had at the time, I think it was a, a one and a half goal fewer allowed on the road than Carter Hart did. It's funny because it's uh, just continued to set itself you know, up even, you even know, through the injury. You know, I'm looking at it. He may only get six more road starts all year, Carter Hart. Yeah. And he Un- ha- Until the cup run. And he hasn't won on the road since November 10th. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I, like, to me, this would have been an, I would have done it here. I would have started, started him against the Islanders tomorrow just to kind of get it out of the way. Because it's, the longer this goes on, the longer it's going to become a thing, Russ. You can also make the argument that in theory, he really should. I mean, you don't want to write off an injury, have him go back to back, but he really should probably be able to play tonight. Thursday, and the Tampa game to give Brian Elliott a rest because Brian Elliott was carrying, shouldering so much of the load while Hart was out. I and mean, if we if we learn nothing from a year ago, or if we learn one thing, it was that Brian Elliott at some point, if he plays too many games over too short of a period of time, body's going to give out. He's not a, a 25-year-old player. He's not a 28-year-old player. He's in his 30s. And at some point, especially the core muscle injury history, uh, you're going to have to give him an extended look. Obviously, Alex Lyon goes back to the Phantoms. You're not going to bring him up just to spare Brian Elliott from having to play a couple of games in a row. You're right. Like, at some point, you are going to have to see Carter Hart play on the road. But the the problem that they run into, obviously, as you break down the schedule for the next few weeks is there there aren't any real gimme games to no. build his confidence. No, they don't have gimme road games until the, Rangers. the end of— I don't even call that a gimme. It's closer. It's closer it's, it's, to a it's, gimme. It's, well, compared— Compared they're a, to they have they are they're a plus team as far as go, I told you and I'm a big person I'm big big believer in um, goal differential right yeah. being a, a telltale sign um, I know that there's some people Unless you know in other sports the devils. what's that Unless it's against the devil it's not until the end of March when you go Detroit and New Jersey back to back on the road yep that's really the next easier they're the easier road games I mean you're looking at Islanders Florida Tampa Columbus Rangers Washington Tampa Dallas Nashville. Are you, the, are your next ten road games? I mean, it's 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 brutal. Yeah, it's a tough stretch, man. Like there aren't there aren't very many easy games in here. I mean, the Sharks should be an easy game at home. Um, you have a home and home with the Rangers. You you probably should win one of those. I mean, Buffalo stinks. They you know you get them at home. That Minnesota Edmonton back to back. You probably should win those. But. I mean, other than that, you're really looking at a tough, tough stretch here, man. It's this is not it's not easy. It's not a guarantee that they're just going to keep on keep on keeping on. But if nothing else, we have at least gotten to see that in in the last few weeks that this this team is able to rise to the occasion against the best in the conference. Yeah, and it's funny because even if you you do a zoom out, and I know that we talked about this a few a few weeks ago. But it's a good thing that the Flyers don't play in the Western Conference because, like, the Arizonas of the world, they had no success against. And I know that you were talking about it a little bit ago, but this team, at least with teams that are somewhat in playoff contention, they've they've done very well this year. Uh, I know that you talked about Washington, but it, it's funny, and and you maybe forget about this, but like, and and now, granted, at one point I think it was Austin Matthews was out, but like, they're two zero and one against the Maple Leafs this year. That's another quasi contender. 2-0-1 against the Caps. 
this is a team, you know, even against the Devils who, you know, are always going to be a, a tough game for you, even though they shouldn't be. 2-1 and one against them, 2-1 and one against Montreal. This Flyers team, at some point, you're going to have to see them not only go and, and get themselves ready for these big-time matchups against the best, they're also going to have to remain that level or, or maintain that level of play against bottom dwellers. But like you said, we're really not going to get to see that, at least on the road, until... Till the end of March. March. Yeah, till the end of March. Um, one other thing I just wanted to kind of throw in, Russ. Nicole Bay Kubel. Love him. Knack. The knack attack. Had a Gordie Howe hat trick. Sure did. Youngest. Against the Caps. Didn't Bill Meltzer say yeah. it was, he was the youngest to achieve the Gordie Howe hat trick? Yeah, which is, which for those of you who don't know, is a goal, an assist, and a fight all in the same game. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, he continues to be a guy that. Fits really nicely on the bottom six of this team. And, you know, it's a lot like I watch him play and I see how his style is. And I say to myself, this reminds me a lot of Lawton when he first came up. Like, that's how, that's what Albe Kubel is to me. He's a lot like Lawton. Um, And if he turns into Scott Lawton and can be a guy that can play in your middle six forwards, kill penalties, you know, skate a bit, got good wheels, um, you know, play some good, be a good responsible defensive player and score the occasional goal, give you, you know, 15, 10, 15 goals a year. Like that will play, man. That will, that will play for a long time in in this town and people will love him. So I, I just thought he had, it was a great game for him too. And I didn't even mention him in the story. I neglected to even get into that because it wasn't, be ashamed of yourself. Well, it wasn't fitting the story that I was telling, right? I was talking about, um, dis- dispelling bad narratives. There's really not a bad narrative out there about Nick Albe Kubel. How old is Albe Kubel at this point? 22, 23? Somewhere in Give that range. I'm going to pull it. I'm going to pull it because there's, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. He's 23. Okay. He's 23 years old. Arguably could be a third line guy. Yeah. Right? I remember that not that long ago. I think it was, oh, it, it was probably just over a year ago. I brought up that, you know, Hextall, when he was still the GM of this team, uh, named Nagabi Kubel as one of, I think, only three players that he mentioned in the pipeline as somebody who could be a, a contributor at the NHL level. He yep. talked about the fact that he was a really good internal candidate for somebody who could help to solidify the PK. And I mentioned at the time that that there were some people who at that point said that of all the players who were like, let's say 26 years old, 25 years old or under, there were at least a few people with a decently sized platform that said Nick Abi Kubel will not play at the NHL level and will amount to nothing. And now look at him. 23 years old, and I think he's carved himself out a pretty nice spot on this team. And even if the Flyers go out and get a bottom six forward at the trade deadline, I think Abi Kubel is a pretty safe bet to remain here for the the rest of the season, and even going forward, yeah, he he could become the kind of guy that Scott Lawton is, where you think about somebody who's a bottom sixer on this team, who just brings consistent effort, gritty goals. Bob likes gritty, gritty goals, hard nosed play, and is a guy that you can always expect energy from as a coach. Yeah, and to get him at age twenty three. On a very affordable contract. These are the things that, like, you know, people obviously want to see young talents develop. They want to see Morgan Frost in his return here to the Flyers. You know, 
blow up big time and become the heir apparent to Claude Giroux, great, sure. You, of course, want to see your team develop top-line talent or, or top-six talent, but it's also important that you're able to develop that bottom-six talent so you don't have to go out and hire a mercenary of sorts to come in on a multimillion-dollar deal. By the way, fourth consecutive practice today for Nolan Patrick. Doesn't mean anything until he's back in the lineup consistently. He will be. Hey, uh, I maybe heard, he will be. I heard we got some uh, some good reviews, Russ. We did. I, you know, I've, I said in the last couple of weeks, especially with Anthony Sandemonia uh, needing a little pick-me-up, that you needed to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And we had two people do it in the last week, and we greatly appreciate it. First, we had uh, Joseph Finelli, who said, love the Flyers in this podcast. If you're a big Flyers fan, you should definitely give this podcast a chance. Thanks, Joseph. That's nice. And then Roar68, our good friend, uh-huh. who likes to comment in on the Press Row show, says, five stars for Anthony playing Hurt. <laughs> says, always love the show, Mondays, and especially in between periods at home games. Anthony, stellar job Monday when we can tell you were suffering. Hard time breathing and talking. Russ, you too. Long live Minuto. Bring back Mexican Mike Richards. Do you know why he said, I got to tell these guys, have, have they seen the photo? Have you showed? Know, have you showed? Probably, you have to show them the photo, Russ. Okay. Pull up the photo on your screen. I will. Because we can talk about it on Crossing Broadcast. There's a photo of Russ at, I guess, an autograph signing. Yeah. As a Flyers autograph signing, when he were how old were you in that picture? It was ten years ago. So okay, so he's like nineteen. Yeah. And he looks like Mexican Menudo. I mean, he really does. I mean, wait do you see the photo. I mean, it's unbelievable. We should tweet it out too. It really isn't that big of a deal. No, I think you should tweet it out. It's not that big of a deal. My long hair, my middle part. We don't need to see that. It's yeah, okay. we do need to see yeah, it. I, I need to see that. I'm going to put it on a T-shirt and wear it in next week. <laughs> I think you should. By the way, Anthony's in here rocking a uh, vacation shirt. Good talk. Good talk, Russ. Good talk, Russ. I yeah. like it. I got it just for you. I think it's pretty nice. I bought this shirt just for you. I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, predictions, and then we got to wrap it. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Let's do that. So the Flyers have Panthers Four games tonight. this week. Yeah. Uh, how do you see it playing out, my friend? I'm. We've gonna... got, obviously, Florida tonight. Islanders tomorrow. Islanders on the road tomorrow. On the road at Florida on Thursday. On the road at Tampa Saturday. I, I, I'm going to play it a little negative. This oh, week. just a little bit because the Flyers are only are not good on the road when they have to play more than two games in a row on the road, yeah. right? So they got three in a row here. They've struggled in those situations. Plus, the first one's coming on off of back to back. I kind of like them tonight against the Panthers, um, but I think that they lose the game on the island tomorrow. And then I'll have them uh, split the two down in Florida. So let's say they go two and two. I hate when you do that. See, I think they're going to drop tonight. I think they're going to go on the road. I think they're actually going to win against the Islanders and the Panthers, and they're going to drop the Lightning. I was going to say two and two as well. Okay. And I don't think that either of the losses go to OT. Like, I don't think tonight or Tampa go to OT. No. So two, two and two. We don't have the results of those games individually the same, but same overall record. We'll see yeah, how they do see next how week. we do. I think at some point, like they, they, they clearly at this point know the trend about the, the two games or more, so we'll see. Anyway, make sure you check us out over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Big thank you to Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glasses. Snow the goalie. We'll talk to you next Monday.